Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. This is the second instalment of the podcast I recorded with Dr. David Ricketts in December 2020. In this episode, we'll build on the topics from episode one, and I'll talk more about how you can build innovation into your business. And key is how you can help your customers think creativity, what we can learn from a children's lemonade stand. We'll also discuss David's daughter's ideas around it wouldn't be creative if it had came with instructions. And I wonder how you can apply that to your leadership team when you give them rules to follow, job descriptions and processes for the business. So enjoy this episode. As always, feel free to leave your comments and reviews at the end. And if you want to contact us, it's phil at igniumconsult.com. So what is it that you can do to help customers realize they need something that doesn't exist yet? How do you help them be creative and say, actually, this is what I need? So, you know, it's interesting. Some, some people ask me, uh, you know, how do you get people to adopt new products and new technologies? And my first answer to that, and I'll come back and answer your specific question, is if it adds value, people will adopt it. I mean, how many of us have seen our parents, uh, um, you know, my mother just passed away. She was in her, her mid-70s and she would email me every day. Mm -hmm. Why did she email? Because email was her way to keep in contact with uh, her kids and her grandchildren. Um, and so if, if there's value there, people will adopt it. There may be a learning curve. Yeah. So one of the things is people aren't adopting the product, then it, 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 it may be that there's not the value that's there. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think also most people spend zero time. So most of your customers and clients spend zero time thinking about what they need. They're very reactive. And, and I think that's something that you have to realize is this is the mode they're in. It's not that they can't think of new ideas. It's that that's just not something that they do. So, you know, one of the options is, is to, to sit down and talk to um, them about what they can have. I was just watching a great documentary on design uh, about Nike doing the Air Jordans. And okay. Uh, the designers sat down with Michael Jordan and, you know, they talked about things and, and Michael basically said, look, you, you can talk all day and give me drawings. It doesn't really mean a lot to me. And so what they did is they pulled out shoes and they said, Michael, let's just go through these and talk about how we could improve these shoes. And I think this is a real, a real great technique mm. is whenever we can change the modality of how we're talking about something. So if we can do it with yeah. a physical item. Also, there's a lot of nonverbal stuff we can see. Having something visualization is all our stronger. And so they went through a lot of the design features that way that Michael Jordan would never be able to discuss. Yeah. But he could now because he'd ask, you know, I always wondered why there wasn't a flap here and, and, and why can't I move this across here? And, you know, this always mm -hmm. annoyed me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, people just don't think they just they they think. They, 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 so here's a great one. We just did. Um, uh, I think you, you've participated doing an executive education class online during COVID for free. And we just did design thinking last week and we used a case of a Peruvian, there we go, a Peruvian uh, uh, um, movie theater. Yeah. And, yeah. and they were trying to figure out, um, you know, how to get their customers to understand uh, what they were doing. And in the case study that I like it because it's a case study at a Harvard Business School, not that Harvard Business School is the only place to go, but they had videos that showed the interviews and the process, which was very helpful. Yeah, yeah. 
But at the very beginning, and we did this in our in our class online, is I said, you know, if you wanted to get ideas from customers, what would you do? And I would say over half the people in our class came back with some sort of I'll do a survey. Mm -hmm. And if you read the case study, uh, which is based on IDO, you know, IDO says the first mistake people make is you do a survey. Well, the problem with the survey is a survey understands you know what questions to ask. The survey comes at the end. The survey is the verification that you've got all the right questions. At the beginning, you don't know what the right questions to ask are, and so you and and your and your and and yeah. your clients and customers don't know what to answer, and so you have to find a way to engage them um, in a different way. And and some of the limitations your customers and clients have is they don't understand the technology, they don't understand the business models, they don't understand the finances that you can provide, mm -hmm. so they don't see the value that you have. Uh, and so they can't imagine the new project. So I think that's yeah. partially why we need to work together uh, in a collaborative way to look and, and find these new ideas. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that word collaboration is really key, actually. Um, we, we've got a few more minutes to go now. There's a couple of questions I'd love to ask you around um, building collaboration in teams. But before that, I'd love to come back to this, this design thinking process, because I think the design thinking process is really key. And there's one word that you put in the middle of that, which is this word ideate. Yes. And, and, and ideation, I think, is one of the key things there, because uh, getting people to think differently, getting people to come up with their other ideas. And then you talk about prototyping. So we talked just now about getting people to come up with ideas. And we talked about the, um, the banking and the supermarket and come up with the different things like that. But how do you create and how do you create this culture within a business where people are free to come up with ideas that are off the wall sometimes that you've never thought about in that ideation process? which goes back to some of the conversation earlier, but I just wonder what you've got thoughts around sure, that. Sure, sure. So I think, you know, when I teach innovation, I say, look, innovation starts with the lemonade stand. So this is, I think I've learned is the US kind of paradigm. So in, in the US, um, you know, there's a little story that the kids will, will want to make some money. And so they'll go make a pitcher of lemonade and they'll put it out by the street. And they'll charge, you know, a quarter or 50 cents or, or a dollar and they'll make some money. And, um, it's really the first time that children learn that they can create something of value and get something in return for it because everything else up to that point is given to them. And so this is really the first experience. And so I take that analogy into the corporation and first step is you need to have your, the people that work with you work for you understand that everyone is allowed and expected to come up with ideas that you haven't asked them for. This idea that uh, if you have some ideas on how we can make new products uh, or how we can improve, that is something we absolutely want. And you have to give now. Here's the thing: you have there's two key pieces to that. You have to give them a way to share their ideas with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be an idea box. It could be a you know uh, uh, the, the supervisors having it part of the review. It could be an online platform. But they have to know how to give you the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to give you an example of that, we had, I worked for American Power Conversion. They make the backup power supplies for um, uh, computers Okay. And in the 90s. And somebody in the loading truck realized he could tell what unit was in what box by its weight. Okay. Clever. And so what he said was, for quality, why don't we just put a scale on the conveyor belt? And so we'll just weigh every unit that goes by and you'll have an instant check. I mean, it costs a few hundred dollars to put this on. And so how did this idea come up? 
it had to be that the the founder and vice president of engineering happened to be on the uh, truck loading boxes with him because they were having a crisis. And he picked up a box and said, no, something's wrong here. Wow. And he said, how did you know it was wrong? He goes, well, I've noticed that the weight is a difference here. And so he had to chance meeting with the vice president of engineering to get this idea across. So you need to have a, a better way than, than that is there. And the other one is, is you need to have feedback. If people give you new ideas, yeah. you need to have some feedback. I worked with an oil and gas company in Texas and they, they were using a online platform for crowdsourcing of ideas. And what they found was um, crowdsourcing works if people get feedback that their ideas might mean something, or at least they've been looked mm-hmm. at. With that said, I'm not a big fan of crowdsourcing because you talk about how do we get really out of the box ideas? And and I'll I'll share with you something that I've learned. Most people have only a small space around their current thinking that they can really move into. So how do you get breakaway ideas? You find somebody whose space is is different. Yes. Yeah. And so in your organization, you really need to find the people that are thinking differently. I talk a lot about... Uh, diversity. And, you know, in the modern context, we talk about diversity as maybe, you know, race, sexual orientation, uh, gender, um, socioeconomic. But my my daughter uh, goes to a small private school and they pride themselves on they have, I think there's maybe 200 students there and they're from 33 different nations. Wow. But in her third grade class, every third grader talks the same, watches the same cartoons, plays the same. It doesn't matter that all their parents are from these 33 different nations. They're all exactly the same. Yeah. And that's not what we want. What we want are people that think very differently. And that's what I think we want to curate. And in your organization, you're going to have people that are think differently and you want to pull those out because they're going to see things in a different perspective. And I'll give you a tool for finding somebody who thinks differently. Yeah. Find somebody you don't want to sit down and have a coffee with. All right. I mean, it seems, I mean, it seems, but if you think about it, um, you know, everybody who you want to go get a coffee with, how many of you have a friend who can finish your sentences, right? You know, did you see the game this weekend? That was awesome. And they know exactly which game you're talking about. And they know exactly which, you know, uh, part of the game you were speaking of. Those people are looking at the world, seeing your world. And that's who we are drawn to. Yeah. Because the energy is very low to interact with the support system is very good. And by the way, those are also very efficient. And and companies a lot of times hire people for the right culture. And really it's about that efficiency. If you see the world the same way, I don't have to explain everything to you. But there are people Mm. that I sit down with Mm. and um, just don't see the world in the same way. Now, I have an engineering background. One of the things I found, I do a lot of traveling, uh, a lot of speaking around the world, flight attendants, amazing people, but they just see the world completely different. And I'll have conversations with them and yeah, how yeah. they perceive, you know, political things going on and how I perceive them are completely different. And I just use that as one because they're just a very different world. And so yeah. find somebody you don't want to have a cup of coffee with. Yeah. Sit down and I guarantee they're going to have yeah. different ideas than you have. Love that. I think it's a great thing. And it's interesting you mentioned your daughter there. I, I, I often find my daughters are some of the best sources of inspiration. Because they come up with things. My daughter's now, my youngest is now 15. And when she was younger, she would often come up with very different off the wall things. And I know there's been lots of research done into this about children's creativity and how it declines through the schooling years. And you mentioned about the, the, the diversity in the class, but actually everyone watches the same cartoons, listens to the same music. But I think when you get those children who are young enough and ask them things, and I know when I was building my first business, I'd ask my daughters, what do you think of this? 
because I found a nine-year-old to give me some great impressions on whether it worked or not, or come up with some right ideas. And I think there's something there about harnessing the well, young there, people's there talent. There is, and I think people talk about, I, I'd like to kind of touch on this because I think this is important. People talk about children being creative and they somehow lose it. And um, the reason they lose it is because slowly they learn how things work and go together. And the thing about yeah, children is okay. they don't know. So the example that a friend of mine, uh, he's actually a hip hop artist, shared about creativity. He says, look, you know, kids will put together different things. They'll put together peanut butter and chocolate and say, this is delicious, right? And we might say, yeah, that sounds like this could be good. Well, a kid will then take uh, chocolate milk and mashed potatoes and put them together. Now, as an adult, I can tell you right now that this, this is not going to be very good. But for the kid, they're exactly the same right? They, they have no kind yeah, of filter. And yeah. that's the problem we have is we, we experts, if we become experts in our business, yeah. we don't have kind of this, this playfulness um, to move things around. And you, you talk yeah. about uh, children giving inspiration. It's interesting. My daughter gave me the same advice that the chief executive of the city of Dublin, Ireland, so the capital of Ireland, uh, Ireland's very innovative. This is the head of the city, had the same idea that my daughter had. My daughter expressed it as the following. Oh. She goes, Daddy, I want to go build something today. I want to build something with like a hammer and nails and things. And I was kind of frustrated. I'm like, honey, I'm thinking this could take forever. I don't know what she wants. I'm like, let's just go to the hobby store and we'll get a kit. Like, a, why don't you go with mom to the hobby store and find a kit to make a bird feeder? So she goes with mom. She comes back and she pulls out this bag. And I look at it and, uh, and there's a picture of a bird feeder on it. So I can understand this. And I say, honey, this isn't a kit. This is just wood. Yeah. And she said, Dad, it wouldn't be creative if they gave us instructions. Love it. Wonderful. And, and translate this to Dublin. Um, right now, all of the cities, we talk about the time we're in, all of the cities right now are finding a tremendous amount of innovation and change in a very positive way. Yeah. Because all of the reasons not to do something have just been minimized because of the great need to make the changes. And uh, the gentleman's name is Owen Keegan. What Owen said was, he says, you know, in classical businesses, we're taught to have like a book of how you do your job so that when you leave, the next person could go in and could read that book and understand how to do it. And they actually have manuals on how to do your jobs in lots of big, big companies. He says, yeah, I want to yeah. throw those out because what you're doing is you're telling the person how you did the job. What you want is the new person to come yeah, in and yeah. see how to do the job. Uh, in a brand new way. And it's the same way that Julia kind of said of, you know, how do you do without instructions? Love and it. when you talk about how do you build this culture of innovation, I think this is another thing leaders can do is particularly when you're hiring in some of your senior people, don't give them a lot of direction, give them some open space for them to bring in there. When we talked earlier about a lot of people can't really get much beyond their own ideas. If you're bringing in somebody that's very different, yeah. let them kind of explore the space in a very different way. And that will allow them to mm -hmm. see things that you never would have. And we just need to give them that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, David, this has been fascinating. Thank you. And it, there's lots of lots of subjects we've talked about there, which I could go on and on for, talking about. Um, we're going to run out of time. But the, the, the bit, I think, that ties this together, you were talking there about uh, people and expertise. And I love that thing about it. it wouldn't be creative if you gave them us instructions. And, and I often use the phrase that Vern Harnish uses when he talks about business leaders. And he says that often the business is stifled by the owner or the creator of the business because they're stuck in their model of thinking. And I think the bit that I take away and I'd love listeners to take away from this is actually we need to throw away the rules of how we've done it in the past and give new people the chance to reinvent the business 
because then they can come up with ways of doing it that we haven't seen because sometimes we're too close to the issue and we just don't know it can be done any differently. Absolutely. So thank you for that. That's been a, been a useful one. Uh, one final question in that case, uh, which a question I often ask and often people ask is, I always look at the pile of books behind me and think we've all got books and uh, Bern Harnish and uh, Scaling Up introduced me to a great um, Better Business Book Club where we can look at business books that have changed our lives. If you were to suggest one book or maybe two that have changed your life or the way you look at the world, what would it be? Yeah, <laughs> that is um, that is a difficult question. Interestingly enough, I like to explore rather than than read. I think I think um, Walter Isaacson's book, The Innovators, was was a great book. Walter Isaacson is a fantastic journalist. But it really takes the very beginning of the internet um, and shows us how it all got connected together. So it was really a great story of the ideas of where things came from and, um, and the little innovations that happened. And so I'm just going to leave with, with that one because that was a really great that was a really great book that's there. And for me, it's a story of ideas. And and how ideas change, and I think that's uh, for me. I mean, I research innovation, so that's that's what I'm I'm focused in. Yeah, love it. Thank you, Dr. David Ricketts. Thank you. It's been great to talk to you. I'm sure the listeners will get great value out of this just listening to some of the ideas. Where can people find you if they're looking for more information, either with your Harvard program or yourself directly? Uh, the easiest way is just to go to Dr. David Ricketts, D R D A V I D R I C K E T T S two T's dot com. Marvellous. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating, or send us an email to sparks at avmconsult.com.